0: Your host, J. Paul Newman, of the Monthly District Attorney Show, will now take you on a journey to explore recent Rutherford County court
1: cases, cold cases, and more.
2: We welcome everyone to the program. My name is J. Paul Newman. My co-hosts today are Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones and Rutherford County Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. We thank WGNS for providing the airtime, and we also thank our producer, Scott Walker. Most of all, we thank you for listening. In our Inside the Court segment, Rutherford County District Attorney General Jennings Jones will tell us about recent and upcoming grand jury, general sessions, and circuit court activity. Then Rutherford County Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch, in the ever popular What's the Law segment, will discuss an area of the law that dramatically impacts our community. We will begin our broadcast after you listen to these important messages.
1: WGNS is powered by Middle Tennessee Electric. MTE's EV Car Club has hundreds of members and growing. EV owners, enthusiasts, and anyone interested in learning more about electric vehicles is encouraged to sign up at MTE.com slash EV Car Club.
0: If you have ever dreamed of relaxing by your very own koi pond, we can make that happen at Animal City. We carry a variety of products and livestock to make your dream come true. Hi, this is Amanda from Animal City be sure to check out our downstairs level, complete with indoor pond and tons of furry cute critters. Animal City, your family owned and operated pet store for 33 years. You can find us at Animal City at 919 Northwest Broad. This is Peter Demas
3: inviting you to enjoy a meal with our family at Demas' Restaurant with cold and flu season here. Nothing helps my family more than having the Demas' Baked Chicken and Rice Soup. It was a soup that was created by my grandmother. And we not only sell it by the cup, but we also sell it by the quart, by the half gallon, and by the gallon. So stop by
0: anytime today and bring soup to your family that may be sick or a friend that's in sick. Or just to enjoy it just because it tastes so good. Demas's Restaurant. Do you have heart failure and often hear, Those stomach issues ruined your birthday.
1: You're too tired to play
0: catch, Grandpa. Sweetie, you haven't touched your tools since the carpal tunnel syndrome diagnosis. If these seemingly unrelated symptoms sound familiar, talk to your cardiologist and ask about transthyretin amyloid cardiomyopathy, or ATTR-CM, a rare and underdiagnosed disease that gets worse over time. Learn more at connecttoyourheart.com. That's connecttoyourheart.com. Sponsored by Pfizer. conviction. Time now for a look back at one of the more intriguing and important cases for this community. From the crime, the investigation, to the prosecution. It was
2: shortly after 2 p.m. on May the 4th, 2017, that the Murfreesboro Police Department was called to investigate the report of a shooting. The call came from the Student Quarters Apartments on Greenland Drive in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. When the police arrived, they were directed to an apartment patio near the swimming pool. Lying on the patio was a critically wounded young man. That man was 23-year-old Jesse Buford. Jesse Buford had been shot numerous times and he was critically wounded. Jesse Buford was rushed to the St. Thomas Hospital in Rutherford County. Sadly, later that date, Jesse Buford died from his wounds. At the scene, the police interviewed several citizens who witnessed the shooting. One of the witnesses tells the police that the last thing they heard Jesse Buford say to the shooter was, I love you, man. Investigators also discover that the apartment complex had installed video recording equipment. Shortly after the shooting, the Murfreesboro police obtain a copy of the apartment's videotape. The videotape actually recorded Jesse Buford frantically fleeing from a man, and the video showed that the man chasing Jesse Buford was armed with a gun, a gun he was firing at Jesse Buford. Through use of the video recording and interviews of the apartment residents, the investigation team led by Detective James Abbott is quickly able to identify the person who actually chased, shot, and killed Jesse Buford. That person was Lamaris Jones. LaMaurice Jones and Jesse Buford were former friends, and had even lived together previously. But in the time period before the shooting, the relationship had become toxic. On May 5, 2017, Detective James Abbott of the Murfreesboro Police Department located and arrested LaMaurice Jones and charged him with the first-degree murder of Jesse Buford. On Wednesday, May 31, 2017, Lamaris Jones appeared in the General Sessions Court of Rutherford County, Tennessee, for his preliminary hearing. At the hearing, Jones was represented by Murfreesboro Attorney Joshua Crane. The state was represented by Assistant District Attorney J. Paul Newman. Following the hearing, Judge Barry Tidwell sent the case to the Rutherford County Grand Jury. In September of 2017, the Rutherford County Grand Jury indicted Lamaris Jones for the murder of Jesse Buford. The case was assigned to the courtroom of Judge David Bragg. The defendant was represented by Nashville Attorney Wesley Clark. The state was represented by Assistant District Attorney J. Paul Newman. Due to various legal procedures and significant delays caused by the COVID-19 virus outbreak, the trial of the case was postponed several times. In September of 2020, Assistant District Attorney General J. Paul Newman retired from the Rutherford County District Attorney's Office. The Jesse Buford murder case was then transferred to Assistant District Attorneys Trevor Lynch and Brent Pierce. On October 1, 2020, with the COVID pandemic in recession, Lamaris Jones appeared in the courtroom of Judge David Bragg. Lamaris Jones had decided to enter a plea. At the plea, Lamaris Jones was represented by attorney Wesley Clark. Representing the state at the plea was assistant district attorneys Trevor Lynch and Brent Pierce. With members of Jesse Buford's family in attendance, Lamaris Jones pled guilty to the second degree murder of Jesse Buford. Pursuant to the plea agreement, Judge David Bragg sentenced Lamaris Jones to serve 24 years in the Tennessee Department of Corrections. Detective Edelman, we appreciate you taking the time to be here today. Detective Abbott, my summary of this case was really brief, and I would like to ask you a series of questions designed to tell us more about the murder of Jesse Buford and the arrest and conviction of LaMaris Jones. First of all, who were the Murfreesboro police officers that were involved in this case, and what roles did they play? in bringing Lamaris Jones to justice.
4: There was a tremendous amount of law enforcement presence at the initial investigation and throughout the investigation itself. On scene at that time was uh, uh, Detective Mark Magadham, Sergeant Harry Hague, who was over the uh, directed patrol unit. Most of his officers from the directed patrol unit was arrived on scene. S- the Special Investigations Division of the Murfreesboro Police Department, which includes our Narcotics and Gang Unit, r- arrived on scene. The, our Crime Scene Unit, headed by Lieutenant Taylor, And Sergeant Von Puck D, along with Detective Philip Lloyd, Detective Ray Daniel, also responded. And myself and members of the Murfreesboro Police Department's Crimes Against Persons Unit also responded out there to the scene. It's a team effort when you have a case like that. Also, uh, be remiss if I didn't mention the Tennessee Highway Patrol, who actually took Lamars Jones into custody. Uh, They found Mr. Jones on Interstate 40 for us uh, when we got information that he was on the uh, Interstate 40 between Memphis and Jackson. So they did a tremendous job for us, assisting us there in that case and getting him and taken into custody.
2: My next question is: Tell us about the relationship between Lamaris Jones and Jesse Buford.
4: They had been friends at one point. Matter of fact, they'd even been roommates uh, here in Rutherford County. Uh, they had lived over at an apartment, I believe, it was somewhere over on uh, South Rutherford. And at some point during their time as roommates, they'd had a falling out. It was not a bad falling out or anything that you would assume led to homicide. But at some point after the falling out, the friendship even became more toxic.
2: As I understand it, Jesse Buford had been visiting at an apartment. What was he at that apartment
4: for? Jesse had been there to actually get a haircut. There was a young man there who uh, he would cut friends and, and people he knew's hair. He had uh, kind of picked up that trade in in college, trying to save money himself while he was uh, going to MTSU. He was actually a business major, and that young man actually graduated, was graduating that semester. It was his last semester at MTSU. He had just gotten his degree in uh, business the week that he was really excited. He just graduated college as well.
2: Detective Abbott, Lamoris Jones shot and killed his former friend and roommate. Can you share with us any background information about LaMaris Jones?
4: LaMaris Jones was uh, originally from Memphis, the Memphis, Tennessee area. He had lived here, I believe he was about 20, if I'm not mistaken, he was still about 20 years of age, 20 years old. He had lived here for in Murfreesboro for a few years. His original intent was to uh, move here and go to MTSU. And like I said, he had lived here for probably about a couple of years now. He was originally from the Memphis area and family also in, in northern Mississippi. And, of course, we never want to forget
2: the victim in a case, in this case, Jesse Buford. What can you tell us about Jesse Buford?
4: Uh, Jesse uh, was also originally from Memphis. Uh, That's how come these guys had had met and kind of hooked up once they got here. My understanding was they did not know each other in Memphis. But when they came to Murfreesboro, they met each other. And because they were from Memphis and did not know a lot of people here in the Middle Tennessee area, basically struck up a friendship. And and from there, it it grew. Uh, And at some point, like I said, it became toxic.
2: We also do not want to forget the family of Jesse Buford. Specifically, tell us about the family cooperation in the investigation and all of the events leading to the plea of the case.
4: The family was very helpful throughout the investigation. They were very cooperative. They never got frustrated about any of it.
2: The apartment complex video tape played a major role in this investigation. How were you made aware, first of all, of the existence of that tape? How did you obtain the video? And then I want you to tell us what the video recording showed regarding the murder of Jesse Buford.
4: Immediately upon our arrival, the management there at the apartment complex was extremely helpful. They had installed video camera systems there inside the apartment complex soon as we arrived on the scene, they already started telling those first officers, hey, we have video. Officers and detectives begin reviewing that video immediately. The video kind of puts everything into context of what happened. And what I mean by that is Mr. Buford was there visiting a friend, getting a haircut. Another friend of his was also in there getting a haircut as well. And so as he was walking back out to his car, uh, his friend was in there finishing up getting his haircut. And as Jesse is walking, you can see Jesse from the video. It's perfect video of Jesse leaving out of there walking toward the breezeway of, of another apartment building where their vehicle is at. And so Jesse is walking through there, and you can kind of see the, him leaving the apartment. So you know, okay, so this is where he left from. And then a short time later, you see Jesse Buford running backwards, very frantic. Then you see him fall, and then you can see the suspect standing over him, uh, Mr. Jones. The video kind of puts everything into context as far as how the homicide took place, how the shooting took place, and what all transpired afterwards.
2: In watching the video, could you determine whether Mr. Jones was in possession of a firearm and whether his actions were consistent
4: with firing a firearm? You could tell that he was the shooter at one point. You can see, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, you can see the arm outreached on him in the video. And like I said, during the video, you can see Mr. Buford laying on the ground and what looks appears to be like he is begging basically for his life. And those witnesses heard it. So now you're watching the video and you put it, like I said, put it in context with your witnesses who say this is what we heard.
2: Were you able to see on the videotape after Mr. Buford was shot was he ever able to get up?
4: Uh, yes, he was able to actually uh, get up, and then he ran to back to the apartment patio where he had just left from and collapsed.
2: At any time, was Jesse Buford able to defend himself, or did he take any actions to defend himself?
4: No. If you watch the video, you, you can clearly tell that, that Mr. Buford was—it was a very quick attack. You see him walking— like not a care in the world and then just seconds he's running backwards and falls and collapses
2: were you able to establish a motive and if so at what point did you have that motive if you established one
4: Really, the motive, based on what we can gather, was the relationship had turned toxic. According to Mr. Jones, him and Mr. Buford had exchanged words in recent days. And so that was the reasoning, or, or well, I don't believe it was any reason to shoot a man. But again, like I said, that was the understanding was is that these two, they had exchanged words a few days earlier. And so when Mr. Jones saw Mr. Buford in the apartment complex walking through, he had decided to confront Mr. Buford. Uh, We do know that Mr. Buford had actually had a friend, because he could not purchase a firearm, uh, actually had a friend purchase the firearm for him in February of that same year were you able to recover that particular firearm? Uh, We were not. Mr. Uh, Jones admitted to taking the firearm to Mississippi to be destroyed uh, with the intent to destroy it and withhold it for evidence or prevent us from obtaining it. And of course, but we were able to identify the individual who purchased the firearm for Mr. Jones. And from there, we were able to backtrack to the dealership where the uh, firearm came from. And so we were able to uh, obtain that information and evidence on on the firearm Mm -hmm. itself and, and match it to the, caliber were of casings that were found at the scene
2: we want to thank of course all the witnesses who came forward but I want to especially mention that there was a postal worker a mailman yes who came forward can you tell us what he was able to give the investigation
4: Uh, he was able to really give us uh, the kind of the mindset based on his statement, the mindset of Mr. Jones. The gentleman who was delivering the mail there that day told us, you know, he said, I saw this gentleman pull his car in really fast, jump out and start walking toward the breezeway. And the, the mailman, actually, the gentleman who was uh, delivering the mail there told us that, he said, the look and everything and his actions. He said, I just, I got back in my vehicle. He goes, I thought there was about to be a shooting. He goes, I, I kind of ducked down in my vehicle. But, so it kind of gives us that mindset of where Mr. Jones was Thinking, and of course, Mr. Jones in his statement to police was he was driving through the complex, saw Mr. Buford, parked, went and confronted Mr. Buford. I believe in one point in the statement, he made the comment even that when I asked him about about Mr. Buford, Mr. Buford may have not even seen him fire the first shot, and that's how quickly he came up on Mr. Buford.
2: Detective Abbott, we want to thank you and the other members of the Murfreesboro Police Department for the excellent work that was performed in bringing Lamaris Jones to justice.
4: Talking with Pat Wingo at
2: Adam's Place. Adam's Place makes fun, and there's as much to do as you want to do. When I leave my room about 10 a.m., I don't get back sometimes till midnight. <laughs> I'm a night owl. Well, I like to have fun with my friends. Yes, I do. Where
0: is the fun?
3: Oh, hands down, I'd say Adam's Place. Hi, this is Terry Deal at Adam's Place. Call me for more information about Adam's Place. 1927 Memorial Boulevard across from Walmart.
2: David
4: Jacobs with
2: the Happy Book Stack. We have a revolving inventory of about 20 to 21,000 books, including 1,000 to 1,500 new books every week. Find the Happy Book Stack on social media by typing in the Happy Book Stack.
1: We take in books on trade. We offer credit or
0: cash. A few scattered rain showers possible late this afternoon, otherwise partial sunshine develops a high in the low 70s. Tonight a chance for rain showers here, Cloudy
1: and alone are 55. I'm meteorologist Jennifer Vojchitsky on News Radio WGNS. Currently it's 54. Hi, this is Gator with Tire World Off-Road. We are your local rough country dealer. So when you're ready to add some character to your rig, ask for Gator at Tire World Off-Road on Memorial Boulevard. This is Sean Brown at Tire World on
0: Broad Street. Online at TireWorld.us. We're all about saving you money. I'm Dave Ramsey on WGNS Rutherford County's Place to Talk. We from one to four on WGNS. This is Inside the Courts. A look at this month's trials, pleas, and grand jury action. Inside the Courts is presented as a courtesy of the Rutherford County Clerk's Office.
1: Good morning, everyone. This is your District Attorney General, Jennings Jones. And today, I will be your tour guide through the episode of Inside the Courts. We begin this segment by stating that none of the defendants named in upcoming trials or hearings have been convicted, and of course, they are presumed by our law to be innocent. With that as a prelude, we will now go Inside the Courts. On the 16th of March, 2023, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a 911 call to a residence on Swanson Lane in Murfreesboro. At the residence, officers located the body of Thetsaphone Cesarino. Mrs. Cesarino had been beaten to death in her garage and her throat had been cut. The victim's husband, Focam Cesarino, was unaccounted for. Mr. Cesarino was later found covered in blood. After conducting an interview of Mr. Cesarino, Detective Richard Presley with the Murfreesboro Police Department charged him with first-degree murder. Mr. Cesarino is represented by the Office of the Public Defender and is scheduled to appear in the General Sessions Courts of Rutherford County on May 8th of this year. The state will be represented by Assistant District Attorney Sarah Davis. On the 15th of February, 2023, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a 911 call reporting shots fired in an apartment complex on Puckett Creek in Murfreesboro. Officers discovered the body of Miss Rebecca Stockton on the floor of her apartment. Ms. Stockton had been shot multiple times. Detective Julie Cox with the Murfreesboro Police Department was assigned as the lead investigator in this case. Ms. Stockton's live-in boyfriend, Salim Hamilton was missing. A manhunt for Mr. Hamilton was ordered, and Mr. Hamilton was located in Corbin, Kentucky. Mr. Hamilton was found to be in the possession of a rental car owned by Miss Stockton and a forty caliber semi automatic handgun. An examination of the body in the crime scene showed that Miss Stockton was shot and killed by a forty caliber semi automatic handgun. Mr. Hamilton was charged in Kentucky with possession of a firearm by a convicted felon and is currently in custody in Corbin, Kentucky. Mr. Mr. Hamilton has been charged with first-degree murder by the Murfreesboro Police Department and awaits extradition. On February the 13th of this year, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a 911 call in reference to a stabbing at a residence on Ransom Drive in Murfreesboro. Upon entry, officers discovered the body of Mr. Philip Maddox on the floor of his bedroom. And Mr. Mr. Maddox had been stabbed multiple times, Witnesses on scene advised that Mr. Maddox's roommate, Malik Smith, admitted to stabbing Mr. Maddox. Officers located Mr. Smith, and Mr. Smith confirmed the witness's claim that he had stabbed Mr. Maddox. Detective David Miller of the Murfreesboro Police Department has been assigned as the lead investigator in this case. After a thorough search of the residence, collection of evidence, and interviewing of all witnesses, Mr. Smith was charged with first-degree murder. Mr. Smith awaits his next day in court on May 31st of this year and is presently represented by the Office of the Public Defender. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On October the 6th of last year, officers with the Laverne Police Department were dispatched to a residence on Almond One Place in Laverne, Tennessee, in response to a shooting that caused the death of the homeowner, Mr., pardon me, Mrs. Robin Taylor. Detective Tanner Noakes has been assigned as the lead investigator. Miss Taylor's sister, Candace Davis, was on scene when officers arrived. After initially claiming an unknown subject shot her sister and ran away, Miss Davis later changed her story and claimed her sister attacked her and she shot Miss Taylor in self defense. Upon conclusion of Detective Noak's investigation, and in light of the evidence collected on scene, it was determined that Miss Davis was not justified in shooting Miss Taylor, and she was subsequently charged with second-degree murder. This matter is currently set in the General Sessions Courts of Rutherford County. A preliminary hearing was held on November 4, 2022, and at that hearing, the court heard witnesses' testimony and determined that probable cause existed to bind the matter over to Rutherford County Grand Jury. The defendant is represented by counsel, Mr. Thompson Kirkpatrick, the state by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On July 6th of last year, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Office responded to a residence on Panther Creek Road in response to a shooting. After receiving a 911 call, deputies discovered the body of Mr. Clarence Rowden. Mr. Rowden had been shot multiple times. Witnesses identified Mr. Jeffrey Burris as the shooter. Mr. Burris was located and found to be in possession of a firearm. Mr. Burris was taken into custody and interviewed by Detective Kyle Norod with the Murfreesboro Police Department. Pardon me, the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department. At the conclusion of the investigation, Mr. Burris was charged with the first-degree murder of Mr. Rowden. On December the 8th of last year, Mr. Burris appeared in the General Sessions courts of Rutherford County and bound his case over to the grand jury. Mr. Burris is represented by Murfreesboro attorney Josh Crane and the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. On August 30th of last year, officers with the Smyrna Police Department responded to a shooting at a gas station on Sam Ridley Parkway. Mr. Nicholas Patterson had been shot during the course of an attempted robbery. Mr. Patterson later died as a result of his injuries. Surveillance video showed an armed subject enter the store, point his firearm at Mr. Patterson, fire at least one shot into the ceiling of the store, and then shoot Mr. Patterson before running out. Detective Steve Hanna with the Smyrna Smyrna Police Department has been assigned as a lead investigator. As a result of two other robberies, one in Brentwood and one in Nashville, Mr. Key Anthony Williams has been identified as a suspect. Upon execution of a search warrant, Mr. Williams was taken into custody and found to be in possession of a firearm. Mr. Williams was interviewed by law enforcement and at the conclusion of the interview was charged with first-degree murder, attempted aggravated robbery, and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. Mr. Williams is being held at the Rutherford County Adult Detention Center and awaits a mental health evaluation. He is currently represented by counsel, Mr. Ben Wetzel, while the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney, Trevor Lynch. On September the 27th of 2021, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to a residence on Bivens Hill Road in reference to a shooting. Once on scene, deputies located Ms. Tony Odom, who was the victim of a gunshot wound. Miss Odom died from her injuries. Detective Ty Downing has been assigned as lead investigator on this case. After interviewing witnesses and reviewing physical evidence from the scene, Irwin Odom, the victim's husband, was identified as a suspect. At the conclusion of the investigation, Mr. Odom was charged with first-degree murder. Mr. Odom is represented by counsel Josh Crane. The state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Sarah Davis. Mr. Odom awaits his next court date on May 24th of this year. On April 24th, 2021, officers on patrol heard shots fired and responded to 1621 Middle Tennessee Boulevard. Officers found Mr. Shakur Ali, who had been shot and later died from his injuries. Apollo Cantrell was identified as the shooter and fled the state. Detective Richard Presley of the Murfreesboro Police Department has been assigned as the lead investigator in this case. Through cooperation with the state of Iowa, Mr. Cantrell was apprehended and is presently incarcerated at the Rutherford County Adult Detention Center on charges of second-degree murder and possession of a firearm by a convicted felon. He is represented by Murfreesboro Attorney Mr. Will Fraley. A preliminary hearing was held on February the 7th of last year, and the General Sessions Court found probable cause to bind this matter over to the Rutherford County Grand Jury. The defendant will next appear before a circuit court judge on May 22nd of this year. On October twenty fourth, 2020, officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a shooting that occurred on the intersection of North Tennessee Boulevard and Stonewall Boulevard. Officers discovered the body of Mr. Blake Bolton, who was the victim of two gunshot wounds. Detective Albert Miles was assigned as the lead detective. Mr. Gilliam was charged with first-degree murder of Mr. Bolton. Mr. Gilliam remains in the custody of the Rutherford County Adult Detention Center on charges of first degree murder and especially aggravated robbery. Mr. Gilliam is represented by Mr. Brennan Foy with the Office of the Public Defender, while the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. The next scheduled court date for this trial is May 19th of this year. On April the 9th of 2020, Officers with the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to a residence on North Rutherford Boulevard in response to a shooting resulting in the death of Mr. Stephen Lopez, Jr. Lead detective Richard Presley with the Murfreesboro Police Department has charged Mr. James Evans III with the second-degree murder of Mr. Lopez. On March of 2021, a grand jury returned a true bill against Mr. Evans. Mr. Evans is represented by counsel Mr. John Mitchell, and the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. This case is next set to appear in court on July the 7th of this year. On May 16th of 2017, the Murfreesboro Police Department responded to reports of multiple gunshots in the area of Gateway Apartments. Witnesses reported seeing a black male fleeing the area on foot. Additionally, a gunshot victim, Kendrick Love, was located on the front of one of the apartment complexes. Mr. Love later died from injuries that he sustained. Witnesses on scene established that the victim went to meet an individual for the purpose of selling marijuana. Additional witnesses identified the individual as Tayshawn Patterson, who matched the description of the male seen running on foot just after the shooting. Detective Doug Arrington with the Murfreesboro Police Department was assigned as lead investigator in this case. And at the conclusion of his investigation, it was determined that Mr. Patterson went to the alleged marijuana deal armed with a firearm and with the intent to rob the victim. Mr. Patterson has been charged with first-degree murder and attempted aggravated robbery. He is represented by counsel, Mr. Kyle Parks, while the state is represented by Mr. Trevor Lynch. A trial was held on February the 22nd through the 25th of the last year, and Mr. Patterson was convicted of first-degree murder and is sentenced to life in prison. On January the 30th of this year, Mr. Patterson was sentenced to 25 years for second-degree murder, 12 years for robbery in concert with two or more others, four years for facilitation to aggravated robbery, and two years for conspiracy since mr patterson was a juvenile at the time he committed these crimes he will be eligible for parole after service of between 25 and 36 years a motion for new trial has been filed by the defense and is scheduled to be heard later today on august the 7th of 2014 the smyrna police department responded to reports of multiple gunshots at a residence on king's road Witnesses reported seeing a black male fleeing the area in a champagne-colored Chevy Malibu. The gunshot victim, Danny Wright, was located in the driveway of the residence and later died from his injuries. With no additional information, the case went cold until mid-2019 when a witness came forward with information identifying Enrique Dane de Corsi as the shooter. The investigation then revealed that Mr. Wright had previously worked on Mr. DeCourcy's vehicle, and Mr. DeCourcy was not happy with the work, believing that Mr. Wright had stolen approximately $2,500 through incomplete repairs. Search warrants were obtained and executed on Mr. DeCourcy's home and storage unit. Ammunition for a 357 semi automatic pistol was discovered at both locations, and a partially disassembled 357 Glock semi automatic handgun was located at the storage facility. The Tennessee Bureau of Investigation confirmed that, based on the cartridge cases and the bullet recovered from Mr. Wright, a 357 Glock semi automatic handgun was used to kill Mr. Wright. Mr. Corsi was arrested, but was allowed to make bond through the court system in twenty twenty one, Mr DeCourcy found the witness and killed him in Mayfield, Kentucky. Mr. DeCourcy was charged with first degree murder by the Kentucky State Police. On February the first of this year, Mr. DeCourcy entered a plea to the second degree murder of Mr. Danny Wright and received a twenty five year sentence at one hundred percent to serve. On February the 2nd of this year, Mr. DeCourcy appeared before a Graves County, Kentucky court and entered a plea to the first-degree murder of the witness and received a life sentence. Mr. DeCourcy was sentenced on April 14, 2023 to a consecutive life sentence. On June 8, 2020, deputies with the Rutherford County Sheriff's Department responded to a shooting on Summertime Drive. While en route, deputies observed a vehicle matching the suspect's vehicle description leaving the area. A traffic stop was conducted and deputies took a driver and Yo Sincere Pham into custody. Deputies observed and recovered an object, later identified as a firearm, being thrown from the vehicle. At the scene of the shooting, deputies discovered the body of Mr. Thien Nguyen sitting in the driver's seat of his vehicle. Mr. Nguyen had a single gunshot wound to the head. Detective Sergeant Ty Downing has been assigned as the lead investigator in this case. Upon interviewing witnesses, collection of physical evidence, and execution of a search warrant on electronic devices, Yo Sincer Fomfan has been charged with first degree murder, attempted especially aggravated robbery, tampering with evidence, and the employment of a weapon during the commission of a dangerous offense. This matter is currently set for May nineteenth of this year. The defendant is represented by Mr. Will Fraley, while the state is represented by Assistant District Attorney Trevor Lynch. And this will conclude today's look Inside the Courts.
4: If you're looking for an authentic relationship with financial experts who genuinely care about your unique needs, Capstar Bank is for you. Capstar Bank is dedicated to the people of this community. Capstar Bank wants to help you reach your financial goals. Because at Capstar Bank, you matter to us. Capstar Bank, 2230 Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Boulevard, CapstarBank.com, member FDIC, equal housing lender.
3: Good morning, traffic's off to a pretty good start this morning as far as really bad interstate accidents now. We've seen some fender benders out here in the last hour or so as traffic increases coming up through Williamson County on 65 northbound through Brentwood, Franklin. Watch for radar down i like 42 certain parts of Wilson County this morning. They were wrapping up a wreck 55 uh, actually on Briley Parkway southbound over near Hill Pike. They were up against that wall. Hey, don't miss Sips and Sharks at Ripley's Aquarium in the Smokies. Coming up May 20th and 21st, it's an adult sleepover. For for all the details, just Google Ripley's Aquarium of the Smokies.com. I'm Commander Chuck with your on-time traffic. This is Dr. David Morris with Magnolia Medical Center. Do you suffer from peripheral neuropathy in your hands or feet, burning pain, balance problems and decreased quality of life? Magnolia Medical Center can help.
0: Magnolia Medical Center in Murfreesboro.
1: Online at magnoliamedicalcenters.com.
0: What's the law? Time now for an examination of the laws of Tennessee. This is not intended to be legal advice and is being presented solely for the informational benefit of our listening audience. You should always consult with an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice.
3: This morning, I'm going to discuss briefly the U.S. Constitution and the Tennessee State Constitution on search and seizures. Before you tune out, because you might think listening about documents that went into effect in 1789 and 1796, respectively, at around 8.45ish or 8.50 this morning, and it isn't your cup of tea, please remember, our constitutions are the backbone and foundations of our society, and they have been amended by our courts in Congress and interpreted by our courts over the centuries, always with the mindset of protecting citizens' rights even when allowing the government to act in a manner that may impact a citizen's liberty or freedom, our constitutions are there to protect us from unreasonable actions of the government. Who decides what is reasonable? Well, our legislatures can enact statutes that define it and our courts will make rulings in individual cases drawing from our constitutions and statutes and rule upon what is or is not reasonable. Now, What could be more important this morning than understanding just a little about what your rights as an American and Tennessean are when it comes to a search of your home? The United States Constitution, specifically the Fourth Amendment, is our protection from the federal government. The right of the people to be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and effects against unreasonable searches and seizures shall not be violated, and no warrant shall issue but upon probable cause, supported by oath or affirmation, and particularly describing the place to be searched and the persons or things to be seized. So, before the federal government can conduct a search of your home and then seize any of your property, they must first obtain a search warrant, and that warrant must particularly describe the place to be searched and the things to be seized. This warrant must be obtained from a neutral and detached judge or magistrate. Additionally, our U.S. Constitution states that no state shall make or enforce any law which shall abridge the privileges or immunities of citizens of the United States, nor shall any state deprive person of life, liberty, or property without due process of law, nor deny to any person within its jurisdiction the equal protection of the laws. So the federal Constitution requires the individual states to protect its citizens from state governmental intrusions. Like all other states, Tennessee has its own constitution that protects its citizens. A state must offer, at a minimum, the same protections that the U.S. Constitution offers, but a state can offer its citizens more protection than the U.S. Constitution provides. However, a state constitution, constitution cannot give the government more authority than what the U.S. Constitution allows. So the Tennessee Constitution, Article 1, Section 7. The people shall be secure in their persons, houses, papers, and possessions from unreasonable searches and seizures, and the general warrants whereby an officer may be commanded to search suspected places without evidence of fact committed or to seize any person or persons not named, whose offenses are not particularly described and supported by evidence, are dangerous to the liberty and ought not be granted. So our state constitution says the same thing as our U.S. Constitution, just with more words. Keep in mind, neither constitution prohibits all search or seizures, only unreasonable ones. A search conducted under a legal search warrant is both reasonable and legal, and under certain exigent or emergency circumstances, searches and seizures conducted without a warrant can also be considered reasonable and legal. So what is a search? An officer who examines a person's premises, person, or property for the purpose of discovering contraband, such as stolen property, or other evidence for use in a criminal prosecution has conducted a search. A search involves prying or looking into hidden places in order to discover something concealed. Basically, it's looking for evidence connected to criminal conduct. So then what is considered a seizure? An officer who takes into custody a person or property seizes that person or property. The seizure may be temporary or permanent. The nature of the seizure will determine what circumstances must exist to authorize the seizure. So... A seizure is the taking of someone or something. There are exceptions to the requirement of a search warrant. Over the course of our country's history, the US Supreme Court has established several exceptions, almost all of which are applicable in Tennessee. However, time constraints prevent me from discussing each and every one of those exceptions. A brief list would include exigent circumstances, stop and frisk, search incident to arrest, plain view, protective sweep, searches pursuant to probation or parole, custodial searches, vehicle searches, open fields, consent, abandoned property, administrative searches, border searches, that's specifically U.S. borders, and community caretaking. Thank you for joining us today in this episode of What's the Law?
2: As we end our program today, we thank WGNS for providing the airtime, and we thank our producer, Scott Walker. Most of all, we thank you for listening. We leave now by saying a safe community is the responsibility of each and every one of us. For my two co hosts, Rutherford County District Attorney General jennings jones and rutherford county assistant district attorney trevor lynch this is j paul newman bidding all of you a safe and blessed day
0: The District Attorney's Office thanks you for listening to today's program. If you have any information regarding criminal activity in our community, please contact one of our law enforcement agencies. The information presented on today's show is solely for informational benefit and not intended to be legal advice. You should always consult an attorney whenever you need or rely on legal advice. Rutherford County's most trusted name in news. Talk Radio WGNS, Murfreesboro. And our programming have been recorded The Good Neighbor Network, WGNS, Murfreesboro, Smyrna, flagship station for MTSU sports, courthouse clock time, 9 o'clock.